0: Are PR, pro cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, our weekly podcast here at Pro Cannabis Media, where we urge you to like, share, and subscribe our content so you too can learn a little something about this amazing plant that we call cannabis. Joining me from 3,000 miles away from our studios here on the East Coast outside of Boston is Anna Simons from East Fork Cultivars in Portland, Oregon. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Jimmy. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about East Fork cultivars and how you got into the cannabis business.
1: I would love to. So East Fork is a family-owned uh, farm in southern Oregon, little town of Tequilma, down near the California border. Uh, it's kind of known for some communes that were started in the 70s and, and different things, but there's a lot of agriculture and the area is very strong in cannabis culture in general. Um, and so East Park was started by two brothers, um, Aaron and Nathan Howard. Aaron lives down in that area in Kilma and um, they had started as medical growers for their brother, Wesley, their other brother who was born with neurofibromatosis. So that's a genetic condition that gives people um, really severe symptoms. You know, Wes had epilepsy and tumors throughout his body, a lot of pain. Um, He has since passed away from complications of his illness, but being able to help him and seeing the relief that cannabis gave him that nothing else could was what, um, you know, started the brother's wish to, to start a cannabis farm and to bring this medicine to more people. Now we focus on, uh, different ratios with CBD, um, mixed ratio or dominant, even on our cannabis side, we also have a craft hemp farm and we grow regeneratively. So we're We're um, improving the ecosystems that we're growing in. And, um, you know, we're USDA certified organic on the the hemp side because we can do that. (laughs) It's not not allowed for cannabis, but we are sun and earth certified, um, which is a great program that's been um, put forward by Dr. Bronner's as a nonprofit, the uh, the soap company, you may know. So, uh, yeah, so that's my passion. Um, And I'm our director of education, so I get to teach people cannabis science with a focus on CBD and how to use the plant to make their lives better.
0: There's so many cannabinoids inside this plant. It is it boggles my mind for someone who really has very limited chemistry background I used to laugh at my friends at college that took organic chemistry because it was the hardest class you could ever take in a million years. And, you know, I was doing my history and liberal arts thing. Uh, But I am amazed. I've gotten quite an education over the last few years of hosting this. And I've talked to more scientists and botanists and chemists than I've ever in my entire life. And I am amazed that even though we've learned so much about this plant, there's still so much more to learn. And it seems like they are just, they're discovering new cannabinoids almost every day. Uh, how much, how how active are you getting into the actual uh, chemical makeup of these plants?
1: Well, I first am not a doctor, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm also, I don't have a degree in hard science or anything like that. I have a background in communication and um, words, you know, <laughs>
0: I'm comfortable but, with that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that said I have, have had the opportunity for my job to spend my time reading in conferences. Of course, pre-researchers are sharing their, their work and explaining their data. And so um, I've had the opportunity to learn a tremendous amount, um, like you said. So I it's it's a an emerging area, you know, there are universities starting programs around this, but they're all still pretty much working off the same body of research that anybody who really wants to can access through, you know, the internet. Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, peer reviewed studies and that kind of thing. Um, But I do think the conferences have been an amazing opportunity to really hear that research um, explained verbally by the person doing it It is pretty thrilling. Does that make me a nerd? (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, no, it does not make you a nerd. In fact, it, it makes me respect you even more because you understand your, where your limitations are and where your passions are. And um, when you're involved with a product like this that you know is impacting lives, per, even saving people's lives, giving them an opportunity to uh, overcome some of the uh, medical challenges or that they may be facing, um, how worthwhile is that for you uh, as far as rewarding goes?
1: It is everything. Yeah. It's something that I didn't uh, see coming, I guess, as I got involved in the cannabis world. Um, you know, before this role, I worked uh, with another organization and they were transitioning from being medical cannabis growers into the new adult use system here. And so I had the opportunity for a while to work with patients and they were letting me know the feedback, you know, um, like, Hey, I have Crohn's and these are the things that helped me. And here's how this is the way it helps me the most. You know, I have epilepsy. This is what helps me the most, um, and so on. And and since then, with my job as an educator, even more people have shared their stories with me, and I I'm incredibly humbled by it because, um, you know, it's just to have the opportunity to share a piece of information that can change someone's life in a meaningful way. it, It feels like a responsibility. You know, once you know these things. How could you not be telling everyone who could benefit?
0: And yet you still have to face, like anyone in this business, this stigma that's existed for 80 years. Now, in Oregon and on the West Coast, uh, Washington and California, needless to say, to me, these, this is throw in Colorado in there as well. Those are the mature markets, right? With maturity, I know has come some challenges with Oregon because you guys had too much weed, too many people had, you, you flooded the market and then the price crashed and supply and demand and all those economic factors. Um, if you could change something in the state that would improve um, the usage of it or, or the, the market of it, what are some of the things that you'd like to see happen in Oregon?
1: Well, I think you put your finger on it. they being restricted to commerce only within the state doesn't make any sense. Um, (laughs) Oregon and Northern California are like the breadbasket of cannabis for this country. Our climate is perfect for outdoor cannabis. So, I mean, it's almost like you said, oh, Florida, you have to keep all your oranges within your state and everybody else has to set up a warehouse with lights where they grow their oranges for their state, you know, agriculturally it doesn't make any sense and um, energy efficiency wise, all those things. So we'd love to see uh, interstate commerce And that would also allow emerging markets um, for people to have access to, like you said, mature markets where products are very developed and really high quality and they're well tested. And um, and yet we also want those markets to not be dominated by huge corporations. So we want to keep... um, craft producers and the small independent mom and pop growers in the game so how do we support that whether it's through co-ops or appellations like wine has you know grown in this region could be a special thing and and something that's verified so there's a lot of thoughts around how to do that but I think they they have to go together because if you just go interstate commerce without supporting those other pieces the the huge conglomerates will take over
0: right and I think that's one of the biggest of most people that are in this space now you know there used to be two states three states four states now there's 15 states that have adult use legal programs uh, some obviously just voted it in in november and others are uh, like colorado arizona nevada they're starting out a little ahead of the game a little bit um, are you confident now granted there's a, there's a little of a political uh, spin here. I think you're probably more confident with the administration we have in place now than the one it just replaced. However, with politicians, with people that perhaps don't understand the culture of cannabis, um, the, everybody's looking to uh, make a cash grab. And politicians are right in the middle of this. So I, I guess my question is, are you confident that we're going to get it right at the federal level at some point, or are there going to be some more mistakes?
1: Oh, what a question. I, I yeah. And I, I don't I know like... if there's an answer
0: to that, by the way, I'm just yeah. interested to hear your feelings.
1: <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I'm confident, okay. hopeful, hopeful that we can get there eventually. Yeah. I think I have to keep that spirit alive and keep you know, eyes on the vision. If you don't have ideals, you know, good <laughs> for the, right. the greatest possible, right? So
0: um,
1: I am, I'm more to actually move things forward, but, um, some of it's going to depend on, you know, in Oregon, we have Earl Blumenauer, you know, we have mm-hmm. Wyden. our, yeah. our, you know, Congress people are, uh, and Merkley, you know, they're all very leading voices. And uh, as far as cannabis issues go, I feel very confident about those lawmakers and yeah. the job that they have done for us in Oregon. Um, and as far as you know, making the sausage, but as they do on the federal level, it, it's pretty, I've did, done a little lobbying over there and it's kind of an ugly thing. Um, but then that, that said the American people, a majority support federal legalization across mm-hmm. party lines. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that it's only a matter of time and I'm hoping it'll happen within the next four years in some form.
0: Yeah. I think we're all kind of hopeful but uh, wary, perhaps, of the educational level of those who are making those decisions. Is that accurate? You said you had some experience on the lobbying side. Did you uh, talk to uh, local Oregon legislators in, in both uh, locally and at the federal level?
1: Yes, I've, I've done lobbying here in our state capital in Salem, as well as over in D.C and uh with you know cannabis groups and and when you it's very interesting when you're talking to those staffers uh and occasionally the actual you know representative himself um sometimes the staffers they just get right to it they're like well what does this person's office say because we just go with whatever they say you know whether that's you know (laughs) so uh if you know how to you know and you can frame your your argument differently you know if we're talking to the republicans we can talk about you know well these states have a legal these businesses need support you know and it's the state has decided it's their right you know so we can kind of go that way obviously on the democratic side we're taking a different argument but all in this you know trying when you're trying to persuade people speak their language to get to the same goal
0: right Yeah, and we know it's not easy. Uh, uh, It is one of my biggest frustrations, again, and you are an educator, um, trying to enlighten people and educate them about the benefits of this plant from both the medicinal standpoint, but also now uh, from an economic standpoint. The fact that we need to create jobs. We need to uh, take advantage of some kind of a tax structure, even though some people think it may be skewed um, more towards... uh, it may, it may not be the best tax structure coming out of the gate, but I think they recognize that uh, they, they're trying at least to get it right in the beginning, recognizing that there's probably gonna be a tweak in a few years as we look at the trickle down effect as the growth of this industry. I, I get frustrated with the fact that I think people put the cannabis industry under a microscope and they're holding it to a, a standard that perhaps they wouldn't with other agricultural products, and I guess that even includes hemp at this point. Um, you know, because you know the hemp, the farm bill passed, and yet nobody really knew what the hell to do with it once it passed because there weren't any regulations about it. Talk about putting the cart before the horse. I mean, but that's that's how government works sometimes, I guess. Um, are you at all encouraged though from the fact that the ballot box continues? to kind of dictate policy, and it's making our elected officials learn about this product and listen to their constituency. It's, kind, it's democracy at work in many ways, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I, I think, um, and the thing I am very optimistic about within this particular administration is that they've returned to a focus on science. So, right. um, less you know looking at the actual data versus having an agenda and trying to find data that will bolster it i do feel like now they're you know they're saying especially for you know environmental uh agencies and um you know medical <laughs> mm-hmm. i feel like what, because the thing about cannabis is when you look at the science it's always it's always been pretty clear that this is not a dangerous drug. This is not, you know, something that should be a schedule one drug. Right. And uh, so I think the education that can spring from uh, scientists being empowered to actually be listened to, you know, I think there's an opportunity here. Um, I think politicians might see the political benefits, but then once they realize that that this isn't just, you know, it's not going to come back to bite you because there's real substance here. Um, I I just feel like we're, we're breaking through, you know, we're, we're almost there. We're climbing this mountain.
0: That's right. I call it, uh, the, uh, the cannabis dam, there's already 15 holes in that dam and there's 36 cracks. And pretty soon we're gonna break through and, and, let, and let it flow, let it flow and let, let the plant do what God put it on this earth to do in the first place. I love enlightening people. I, I learned this fact, looking up some history of, of cannabis in the United States, that in the 1920s, U.S. medical doctors wrote 5 million prescriptions for cannabis in the 1920s. And, and you know, that it's a hundred years ago at this point. I get it. But still, and a lot has happened, I get. It. But it's just amazing to me how we took something that was so important to balancing the human body, the mammals, all the mammals that have the endocannabinoid system, right? We took that away from our humanity, took it out of. And what happened? We had cancer we have epilepsy we have crohn's disease we have all these things that we recognize now could have prevented or at least or at least impacted it a lot earlier in our development than we have now it's almost like we're playing catch up 80 years later right
1: yes i mean there's been a lot of suffering people you know unnecessary suffering avoidable suffering Um, whether that's something as common as migraines, where there's no great treatment, but people Mm -hmm. will find a lot of relief from cannabis or CBD products. Um, But the education isn't there, you know, and including for people that are medical professionals, they don't have a lot of opportunity to actually, you know, there, I think it's uh, less than 15% of medical and nursing schools teach the endocannabinoid system, right, which is like, It's the body's primary homeostatic regulatory system. You know, we need to know about this.
0: I don't know if you know, but the Massachusetts Medical Society, within the last three weeks, I believe it was the last Saturday in 2020, had a nine-hour meeting, webinar, and I believe it was something like a couple of hundred doctors were on it. And they have now taken the word marijuana out of the... put in cannabis and now are recognizing cannabis as a medicinal product and uh, we interviewed a doctor a pediatrician who's uh, got a great reputation in Massachusetts he's since retired unfortunately but he was so excited about that alone because he he just felt like they he'd been fighting this and fighting this for so long and then finally his peers recognized his work his life's work I I mean It's, it was really a beautiful story that uh, Dr. Eric Ruby uh, told us uh, a few weeks back. Got to ask you about your, uh, your background in sports. Uh, I, you know, I, I was a sports guy for a long time. Um, I'm, a, I'm more of a soccer guy than a rugby guy. However, I do respect the game and I appreciate all sports, but specifically rugby too. How did you get introduced to rugby? And I, and I see that you're still, are you still playing?
1: Well, yes. I mean, COVID has put a, a pause in our competition, but I, I haven't retired yet.
0: <laughs> That's great. Now, how did you get introduced to it?
1: Well, Jimmy, I was actually a soccer player for my whole life um, up into college. And then I, I had transferred schools. And so I was going to a new school out in Colorado. And um, I started with the soccer program there and I was just not enjoying it. It was the off season and we're just running in the gym and they'd lost a lot the season before. So the coach is yelling at everybody. And uh, yeah. And, but you know, at the same time I was dating a rugby player. And so uh, I met, you know, through him, I met uh, both rugby teams. There was a new women's team that this group of women had started up and they were so fun. And they were like, Hey, want to go sledding? Want to go get this cookie Sunday thing? Like they were just cool and fun and doing stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And so we went sledding and they were like, oh, come in, you know, because they had been like, come play rugby. I was like, well, I'm doing soccer. I can't really do that. You know, like, well, let's tackle each other in the snow. So we started doing that. <laughs> and once I did that, I was like, this is fun. Where has this been my whole life? <laughs> you know cuz i was uh, an aggressive soccer player weird you might have guessed but i was a sweeper and i was very physical and but you know it could be frustrating because you have to soccer involves so much finesse and right. and the refs i mean you can have your foot on the ball it can be a very clean situation of contact but sometimes if you're the bigger player like i'm i'm about 5'11 they're going right. to say you know you're being a brute like penalty and you're like there was nothing you know, I was on the ball. So, <laughs> so when I found rugby, I was just like, this is so suited to me. I, I get to be aggressive. I get to, you know, run over people, run around people, tackle people. And, and it was just, I, I fell in love with it. It just suits oh. my, my uh, abilities and my, you know, skill
0: sets. So. That's for, and you're still, and are you coach? you're coaching too? Are you not?
1: Uh, I don't really do too much coaching. Okay. Um, I I am a certified referee, but I haven't really dipped my toes in that pond yet. Um, You know, I've got opinions about the game, obviously. So I think it's a natural, I think I'd do well, but that's more for maybe once I'm retired from active playing.
0: I get you. Hey, um, is there one thing that you still find uh, about the cannabis plant that still kind of surprises you?
1: Yeah, I think, The change in perspective that it can offer, whether that is just sometimes um, you don't even realize how much physical pain that you're in until it sort of lifts it off your shoulders. It's floating a little, you're not carrying it and you, you can move a little better and you say, wow, this feels good, you know, and you sort of get back to yourself in that way. Um, Or the mental perspective. Sometimes I've had insights through cannabis, where I, you know, it just takes my normal perspective that I just feel like is, is all encompassing. And it just lets me step out of that. And all of a sudden I'm looking from another angle and I've had, uh, you know, really like really important insights that way into my, my personal life and growth. So mm. I think, yeah, you know, the plant can offer, it can offer self-discovery, I guess.
0: hmm Fantastic. Hey, it, in, you learn something new every day and this plant allows us all to know that we could study it more and more because we still are just scratching the surface really at its potential. I, am I right?
1: Absolutely. There's so much to be done if we, you know, using, especially if we're using like typical Western science that wants to isolate each thing. There are so many different things in the plant. Um, But, you know, we also have thousands of years worth of people's experiences that they share. And those are also important. And that is how we've passed along knowledge of how to help one another. And so, you know, um, I think sharing individual stories is also very powerful.
0: There you go. Well, I love to share stories, as you can imagine. Uh, Anna Simons from East Fork Cultivars. How can people get a hold of you or at least check you out online and find out about your product?
1: Oh, yes. Our website is eastforkcultivars.com. We have our hemp CBD shop at eastforkandfriends.com. And then if you want to be my friend, please be my friend on Instagram. I'm exit drug. That's my username.
0: Got it. Hey, do you know, you happen to know Dr. Uma Donabalan by any chance? Because she wrote the book called The Exit Drug. Do you know her? I do know Dr. Uma. We
1: were on a panel uh, at the Cannabis Science Conference West in, I think, 2018. She was the moderator. Yeah, but I I picked that name um, before I knew of her book, before that documentary came out. It just, you know, because people talk about cannabis and and CBD as being exit drugs
0: she's she's certainly one of the uh, foremost authorities on it and of course a friend of pro cannabis media and a friend of ours she's in the same Massachusetts area so uh, I always like to drop her name as well so I'll, I'll tell her that I spoke with you, and I'll share this interview with her like we ask everybody to like, subscribe, and share. So uh, again, Anna, thank you so much for joining us for a little conversation, and I love connecting the two coasts, so don't be a stranger. If there's anything we can do on the East Coast, please reach out, and uh, we'll be happy to uh, get back together again.
1: Sounds great. I'd love that.
0: All right, there you go. Well, that'll do it for another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young on Pro Cannabis Media. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are... Pro Cannabis Media programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at Pro Cannabis Media, on Instagram at Pro Cannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at Pro Cannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on Pro Cannabis Media, Twitter at Pro Cannabis Media, and on twitch.tv backslash Pro Cannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand.